You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Cade Young. This is the WFHB Local News for Thursday, February 17th, 2022. Later in the program, we have Civic Conversations, a monthly podcast collaboration with WFHB and the League of Women Voters of Bloomington and Monroe County. Today, our hosts welcome several community voices on our health system. That's coming up next on the WFHB Local News. Now it's time for Civic Conversations, a monthly podcast collaboration with WFHB and the League of Women Voters of Bloomington and Monroe County. In today's episode, host Jim Allison welcomes Community Voices for Health. Our guests include Liz Granat, Executive Director of the Community Justice and Mediation Center and Project Lead for Community Voices for Health, and Terry Almsler, the Program Director Emeritus of the Institute for Local Government's Public Engagement Program and Adjunct Professor with IU's O'Neill School. We turn to our host, Jim Allison, for more. You're listening to Civic Conversations, a podcast collaboration between the League of Women Voters, Bloomington, Monroe County, and WFHB. I'm Jim Allison, your host, and Becky Hill is our producer. We're very pleased to say you can find Civic Conversations every month on WFHB at 93.1 and 98.1 FM. Today, we welcome Liz Granite, Executive Director of the Community Justice and Mediation Center, And Liz is also project lead for Community Voices for Health. Our second guest is Terry Amsler, Program Director Emeritus of the Institute for Local Government's Public Engagement Program and Adjunct Professor at IU O'Neill. Liz and Terry, thanks very much for being here today. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Uh, Tell us a bit about uh, your organization in terms of uh, the making of the use of community voices in the making of Indiana health policy. How did your organization come into being and how it's funded? Yeah, well, hi. So um, Community Voices for Health is an initiative. Um, It's a three-year grant-funded project by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation that um, my organization, Community Justice and Mediation Center, um, applied for with um, a group of community partners. And we are one of six sites across the country that was selected to participate in this project. And really, Jim, the goal of uh, Community Voices for Health is to build a stronger, more sustainable system of engaging with a broad range of people in our community, especially those from marginalized and underserved communities so that their voices are heard and understood when, we're looking at making health-related policy 
uh, decisions in the community. So we're we're really excited about this opportunity and thanks for uh, inviting us here today so we can share a little bit about what we've been learning. Okay, well, tell us a little bit more about why you think these community voices are so important in the setting of this kind of policy. I'll take a quick shot at that one. I think for health particularly, and I think especially if you're talking about diverse voices, and that covers a lot of ground, as it should. I think dig dignity and respect is part of this answer. I think people across the board want to be heard, want to have an opportunity for voice, including in health and social determinants of health-related matters. And this initiative is one way to do that. So I think dignity and respect is one part of this. The other reason, though, I think, is you get decision makers, be it's about policy or about health programs or services, get more information. You can make better decisions if they're hearing from people across the table based on their individual lived experiences relating to health and health needs and health services. And then lastly, I'd say people participating. And especially if you want to think again of diverse voices, giving diverse, particularly those that may not be as typically involved and engaged with barriers for that participation, their opportunities to be engaged is learning for them as well with opportunities for their further participation. So there's a civics element, I think, to this as well. Uh, so I think those three reasons were first come to mind for me anyway. Okay, now you've been listening to these community voices for quite a while, I think. What would you say are the community's biggest health concerns right now? Well, we started uh, by, we interviewed and, and hosted small group discussions for about a nine month period uh, last year um, with a diverse group of folks that we brought to the table. And we started by asking two really broad questions. Um, uh, we said, what's important to you and your family about health and what do you want decision makers to know and understand? And we, um, it was really, really interesting. And we, we uh, um, probably looked through about 12,000 different comments from the individuals that we um, have been interacting with since the beginning of the grant. And there were sort of three, and then we themed those concerns and what they wanted um, decision makers to know about their health and what was important to them. And so the number, and these are in no particular order, but the first um, issue that was um, raised uh, kind of across the board by different groups was health insurance, the importance and concerns about not having it. Uh, over almost 10% of Monroe County residents are uninsured and that's higher than state and national averages. And so a lot of the folks talked about having to choose between insurance and other basic needs, such as food, shelter, clothing, a lot of concerns about just the high costs and the desire to purchase insurance, but not having the ability um, financially to do so. And um, the second sort of area of concern that we heard about was uh, the availability and quality of, of health care services here in Monroe County. Um, finding good health services that are available and affordable are getting more and more challenging. People shared long wait times for appointments. 
or not being able to find a physician, um, you know, um, to meet their needs. A lot of folks talked about issues with transportation to getting to and from uh, their healthcare appointments. And I think the thing that was striking for a lot of the folks that we brought to the table really talked about their experiences feeling sort of diminished in the eyes of the folks that were providing health care and kind of experiencing bias and, and what they felt was unequal treatment. And um, that really resonated strongly across many of the groups that we talked with. And then the third area, the bucket of sort of challenges that folks surfaced were issues related to what's kind of considered the social determinants of health. So where you live, work, play, eat, and a lot of folks talked about the limited available availability of good housing, public transportation, healthy food options, and having to make, again, choices and trade-offs. And one of the, a couple of the participants had some interesting quotes. One person said, I would really like for politicians from the legislature and other decision makers around our town to have a lesson in poverty, to really understand what we're facing with. A, a mother who has a, a child who has insurance and has a child with mental health issues said no family should be placed in a situation on whether or not mental health care services should be rendered to their child based on their financial situation. Access to mental health services should not bankrupt parents or guardians who are already dealing with emotional ramifications of raising a child who's struggling. So we heard, you know, a lot of, con, you know, concerns and, and um, yeah, so well, you, sorry. You've had a truly a, an enormous amount of really valuable feedback already, I think. Tell us a little bit about, more about how your organization actually works. You have a diverse 40-person advisory council. Could you tell us about their role and how they make decisions and how they might resolve any major differences that might arise within the group? Yeah. So it was really important to us that we did have a really diverse group of advisory council members. So when we started the project, which was in the month that our uh, country and world shut down March of 2020 with COVID, we began identifying the groups of folks that we sort of felt were not at the table and uh, here in Monroe County. And then we started reaching out to folks. And as we started um, doing that and having interviews with those individuals, having them tell us the concerns that they could, that they were seeing and understanding, we asked them about how um, we got their opinions on public engagement and how voice is being included in decisions that are help, happening in Monroe County. And then we asked um, folks if they would like to join our advisory council. And we also asked them to say who else needs to be at the table. So we sort of used this um, popcorn approach and uh, identified folks that are representative and members, self-identified members of underrepresented um, groups of folks here in Monroe County. We also thought it was important to, to include and um, community leaders. So we have funders, we have elected officials, we have representatives from advocacy groups, we have 
nonprofits uh, represented. We have healthcare workers that are represented on this group. So we really knew that we needed to have this um, really robust group of uh, members. And then we started working with them to kind of co-create the work that we were going to do in the community and that we have been doing. And right now, so they did, they helped connect us with folks. They helped get the people that they had connections with to attend these um, small group discussions that we hosted throughout the community. Um, and they, uh, we provided training and about 12 of those members um, stepped up and took training to be facilitators and note takers. So again, our whole idea is how can the community come together, work together more effectively, get rid of those silos that so many people talk about that gets in the way of really good and effective problem solving. If you're just joining us, you are now listening to Civic Conversations, a monthly podcast collaboration with the WFHB Local News and the League of Women Voters of Bloomington and Monroe County. You're listening to today's episode where host Jim Allison welcomes Community Voices for Health. Guests including Liz Granat, Executive Director of the Community Justice and Mediation Center and Project Lead for Community Voices for Health. And you're also listening to Terry Omsler, the Program Director Emeritus of the Institute for Local Government's Public Engagement Program, and also Adjunct Professor with IU's O'Neill School. Now back to Civic Conversations. Okay, so this sort of leads into my next question, which is how do you enlist real community support, social support, political support, financial support? I'll let Terry, take a stab at that one. Turn my mute off would be helpful, of course. I guess if you think about engagement of voices, particularly to be effective, I think the first thing is to think that there's no single way to ask for voice, to ask for engagement, to ask for participation or any kind of support for anything. There's really important, I think, whether you talk about it, however you want to slice it, rural, community, suburban, by race, by income, by ethnicity, sexual orientation, name it, renters, owners, those with homes, those without, those with existing medical conditions that very much dictate for them what needs may be and how they they see what their needs are relating to social determinants of health or health. There's no single way to think about engagement. You have to think about who's out in the community, first of all. That's the start. And then I think for engagement to be successful, you have to think about stakeholders. You have to think about who has trust for these communities. And I'm just using the community word very generally here to just differentiate among. There's different folks out there who have reasons to participate if given the opportunity. Um, Who are their stakeholders? Who are the the representative groups? Who are the organizations, leadership, civic, clergy and congregations otherwise that you can, an organization, an effort, an initiative like ours can join with as partners to help us reach folks to develop support and understanding of what we're trying to do. And the last thing I guess is that is don't go in with a process or with information that's so already determinative of what you're doing 
and what you think should be done that people feel there's no room for them anyway. <laughs> so it's partly it's just good. It's a little bit of organizing in all this, I think, to be a good uh, engagement designer. You know, you have to go in with an open mind, an open ear, and an open process and not be so closed intentionally or not. There's no room left to ask for authentic voice and support. Okay. Now, let me ask if you expect any, any pushback from the community, and if so, how would you respond to any such pushback? I'll take a first shot of one. Be prepared for people not to understand what the heck you're about what you're doing or if they think you so the first thing is there's a certain amount of um trust oneself in doing this work and not being so thin-skinned about anything you can't hear what people are saying and even those that are convening processes can fall into that same stuff if i may say so i think there's a there's a humility a little bit built in to do this well and not be you know to be open to hearing criticism and to knowing what you're missing and how you can do a better job. So that's, I'll be stopped there, but that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Okay, that sounds very realistic to me. So let me ask finally, what's your next step? How do you transition exactly from feedback to effective action and what end result do you expect? I'll take a very quick first part of that and leave most of the answer, I think, to Liz. Um, I think one thing we hope to do, and it's already begun, by meeting a week or so ago with uh, county uh, um, council members and commissioners, as well as city council members in Bloomington, like Monroe County and city of Bloomington, to talk about some of what we're up to. And they were very generous in their time, you know, <laughs> to everything else they're doing. And uh, to talk and put on the table some concrete ideas as possibilities based on what we've heard people saying. What about good public engagement principles to help guide a city or county? What about uh, health and all policies as a framework for moving forward to help ensure good integration, cooperation, especially around social determinants of health and other things relating to health matters and policy decisions, where sometimes things get lost or not taken into account? And lastly, what about comprehensive plans and health? Now, cities and counties all of them pretty much have comprehensive plans, but far fewer of them have sort of looked particularly at health and social determinants of health together as an element of that plan. Again, to put it together, to think about connections and call it out with opportunities for engagement and voice in thinking about these health and social determinants of health matters. Well, that's some of, and now there's more, and Liz can talk about the advisory council itself and its role in other matters. Well, and I guess one thing I, I would want to say, Jim, about your question around sort of conflict or pushback, and that's part of the experience and what we're sort of focusing on as one element of this project is how to have more effective conversations when these are really, really difficult problems to solve for everyone. And so healthy conflict and healthy you know, coming together and really grappling with these issues are difficult. And so that's part of, you know, what we're trying to focus and in, in, in how we're structuring some of the, you know, uh, conversations that we're having in the community. And we're doing that. So I guess in terms of end result of the project is that um, we have ended up 
creating more pathways for um, collaboration and uh, uh, cross-sector problem solving. And more importantly, I think that we have we build really a shared responsibility for the outcomes of what we want to see for our community. That it isn't any one person's responsibility to ensure that we have healthy, you know, thriving folks in, in our community, that it it's all of our responsibility. So I, I'm hopeful that some of that will begin to um, you know, happen, especially if we're able to, you know, institutionalize some of these ways that you can make sure that that diverse voice shows up at the table more consistently and more often when decisions are being made. Okay, well, I'm hope very hopeful too. And to Liz Granite and Terry Amsler, thank you very much for being with us today. And to our listening audience, thanks very much for listening to us on Civic Conversations. This is Jim Allison of the League of Women Voters, Bloomington, Monroe County. The League is a nonpartisan, grassroots, citizen-led organization that has been fighting since 1920 to improve our government and to engage all citizens in the decisions that impact their lives. Next month, we hope you join us when Lisa Marie Napoli of IU's political and civic engagement program will be joining us when we talk about the recently released Indiana Civic Health Index. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Jim Allison and Becky Hill. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, this is your engineer and executive producer, Cade Young. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Big Talk, a one-on-one conversation with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people. Coming up next on WFHB. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. 
You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer, 